Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. So, alright, let's bring our friend in here, Sage Rosenfels, 12-year quarterback in the NFL. And uh, you can find Sage as part of also Purple Daily on Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock with Matthew Collar. So, Sage, yesterday was Odell Beckham Jr. Day here on Score North. We were very excited about these rumors. And then today, every credible NFL national talking head and general managers from the Browns and I think the Vikings behind the scenes have shot this down. But uh, what were your thoughts when you saw the potential? Like, by the way, my response to all, everyone shooting it down is, well, the Vikings should totally kick the tires still on Odell Beckham Jr. if it's a second-round pick. But what are your thoughts on it, Sage? Well, my thoughts are this. You know, I just heard a report uh, um, that uh, the Vikings are shopping Harrison Smith for the third pick in the draft with the Detroit Lions, and they're going to have a chance to get uh, Tua. That's what I think. I'm taking you right now, Sage, and I'm tagging you in it. Okay, just for fun. If you could pull that trade off, it would be amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about it, guys. Let's talk about it. To deal Hunter for the first and the. I mean, it was it, it it it. The premise made sense for a minute yesterday, just because. Well, Odell Beckham Jr. was telling people he didn't want to play in Cleveland last year, and the Vikings do have an open number two wide receiver slot. Uh, but it appears that the dream is dead. So, so yesterday on on uh, the show with with Viking uh, deal with with Collar, we discussed this for much longer than I was thinking we were discuss it. He had sent me an email with like four or five different topics and. This one sort of popped up during the day, and we spent, I think, the almost the entire first segment of 25 minutes on it. And, and where it does make sense is that, of course, the Vikings need a number two wide receiver, or, or another wide receiver. Uh, Aldo Beckham's really fast. He fits the guy that can sort of take the top off the defense. Obviously, he's a, a very talented wide receiver. Um, so that's where it makes sense. The the compensation, second rounder, fifth rounder, I think that's great compensation. That'd be pretty good deal for the Vikings. He's under contract for, I believe, at least three more seasons, about $15 million a season. So that's where it's going to be a challenge. How do you get a $15 million wide receiver uh, with the salary cap situation? Uh, you're probably going to have to get rid of your free safety at that point. So now you're opening up another position where you're going to need uh, another spot filled. So that's where it doesn't make sense. And then this sort of the more you looked at it, it made less and less sense. So, and then it, I, I do see, you know, obviously why 
Odell Beckham is unhappy in Cleveland. We discussed that as well. Of like, here's a guy who had all all the success uh, in the in you know in the NFL with the New York Giants, uh, in you know New York City, sort of the center of the world in a lot of ways. Uh, and you know he's a sort of a he he goes beyond football. He's a celebrity, and uh, you know all these types of things. He loves the limelight. Then he gets shipped to Cleveland, which is like. You know, it's in the dark, basically. It's you know pretty much in the shadows for the most part, and the organization has you know no history of success. Has just a, I guess, a mediocre season. Plays sixteen games, seventy nine catches or something like that. Nothing great. Only four touchdowns last year. I'm sure he's miserable there. Like I can, <laughs> I'm just, I only can imagine. Like we all know those guys that you know the, those types of players who just you know, want to be Chad Johnson's lucky Ocho Cinco he's lucky that he was in Cincinnati the whole time basically in his career that he didn't start in New York or start in Los Angeles or one of these you know start with the Dallas Cowboys he would have completely lost his mind well Odell Beckham sure is not happy being in Cleveland he wants to get back to somewhere that's uh, uh more in the you know sort of center of the the universe I guess I, you know the Vikings are sort of in between they're not a tiny team but they're also not New York City or Dallas, but they have a you know a great fan base, an amazing stadium, awesome place to live. I, I think Minneapolis is one of the the best places to live, and it's got it, it's a real city. Like it really does have a real city. So it would be probably just enough uh, for Odell's big you know ego or whatever that might be. But at the end of the day, like it just doesn't make any sense at the minimum, just from the salary cap standpoint, like just the money standpoint of the whole thing. They just can't afford a fifteen million dollar wide receiver right now. Okay, I mean, what are hey, what, what are the, that is a pain in the neck? What are I the mean, three worst NFL cities? What are what are the three? Oh, like, I did this time. I did this uh, uh, when I was a free agent in two thousand five. I was going two thousand six. I actually I went in with the the by the way the video guys of every football team usually the most inter- like funniest guys of like you know they're just hanging out in there all day cracking jokes and. You know, do, so I, I actually would, did this whole thing with the video guys of the Miami Dolphins, the Hack Brothers. There's two brothers that were there for like 35 <laughs> years, and we, we ranked them one through 32 at the time. Wow. I believed looking back, because I was going to be a free agent. I was like, you know, all these different factors, and and you know, just not football at all. Like we just we talked about just city, just you know that that type of thing. Not even like the actual organization, but you know, I think Buffalo has to be near the bottom. Uh, I think Cleveland. Um, has to be somewhere in that bottom, uh, you know, five or six or whatever, because they've, they've had, like, basically almost no success in, like, 20-some years of being in the National Football League. Cincinnati, i, I got to think, is fairly low. Um, Detroit? I, what, what, you got Detroit on there? Detroit. Oh, yeah, Detroit's Detroit, right no. now. I mean, it's the, no they're way. talking basically the Rust Belt at that point. All, yep. all those cities are, are, are Rust Belt cities. Um, but, you know, and, you know, not great weather and all those types of things. Uh, but when I ranked them, I also did another. I wrote a story one time for a website where I ranked the top five places to be the backup quarterback in. That's another conversation. <laughs> Boy, I love Where's that. The, you are before the Tom Brady left that, New England, I had, I had New England as the best place to be a backup for a year. You're never going mean, to play. You couple... You're in Boston. You're still making, like, you're still making seven figures. Like, it's Well, whatever. Good. You have a chance to go job? to the Super Bowl. You're going to get a year with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, those stories will last you a lifetime. Yeah. Right? You're five-year, right? Your five-year was damn good. 
Yeah, it was, oh, it was an, it was probably the most fun I ever had uh, in my in my twelve years. I absolutely had a great time that year. Now imagine, like they said, the Belichick. The you'll probably also be in a championship game or even a Super Bowl. You might end up the year with the Super Bowl ring. It's like fifty fifty basically whether you make it to the Super Bowl. So that was like number one. You know, I think the Dallas Cowboys are up there because it was you know the the the, the world market and and the fact that you could like play golf and the by the way backup quarterback we're talking about here. So there's aspects of like golf in the off season you know like that was a part of this equation the dolphins were fairly high i think like this at the time it was san diego chargers they were fairly high on the list too because that's it has nothing to do with actually playing like what's a great backup spot like well here's a you know uh let's here be the la chargers because tyrod taylor maybe you could beat him out that's a good spot to be a backup no we're talking about not playing at all we're talking about like uh, being behind Brady, and then after that, it's like great weather, you know, big, great, you know, fun fan base or whatever, great fun place to live, you know. So like Miami, San Diego, they were uh, uh, fairly. I think maybe the LA Rams, and and then I think the Dallas Cowboys because just they're you know you're part of like the the Dallas Cowboys circus for a whole year. Each one of those places would be a great spot for a backup quarterback. Sage, should we believe any NFL front office when they deny any report that's out there? No, I mean I, I think that. So here's an example. When I walk into a locker room, okay, after a game, where do you guys go generally? A lot of reporters and media members, they end up going to where the cameras are, and they're interviewing Kyle Rudolph, they're interviewing Kirk Cousins, or I guess Kirk's at a press conference or whatever, but they're interviewing guys at the locker room. I walk away from those places because I'm never going to hear anything. I'm not going to hear Rudolph actually give me real information. Mm-hmm. I'll wait till the cameras leave and go over to Adam Thielen, and then I'll talk to Rudy for five minutes, and maybe in that five minutes I get a little something, something, right? So I never, uh, you know, really trust anything the coaches are really saying when they're in front of the camera. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, okay, so l- let's go back to this backup QB conversation, Sage. And I got a question for you. So if you could have had um, in the, the day the opportunity to go back up Brady, which would be awesome. But play for Belichick, who's a great coach, but no nonsense. There's probably not a lot of fun, I would guess. Or you, or the situation that you eventually uh, got into here. Favre as the quarterback, Childress as the coach, but you could be behind Brad's back. You guys probably had great fun in, in um, um, joking about Chili. Which, yeah. do you ta- which, which do you take? Because I, I would guess that Favre and the fact that Chili was open to uh, having some fun behind his back might have been more fun than a Belichick lifestyle. Well, no, I, I think it's a very, very different. I think, uh, you know, backing up Favre in 09 with Tavares in the room, uh, Kevin Rogers, our quarterback's coach, that was such a great room. There was such great chemistry in there amongst all of us. Rogers, the, our, our QB coach, had been in the, the sort of sport of college and pro football for roughly 30 years, uh, maybe more at that point. So this guy has sort of seen everything. And so he, he'd occasionally tell a story of when, you know, he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame or this, that, and the other. Of course, Favre, starts, you know, Favre and Tavares are both from the south, and I was, like, from the north. Uh, and then, you know, Favre and I were sort of old. You know, Brett was nine years old than me, and then Tavares was much younger than me. So we sort of had like three generations uh, sort of going on there. It was just a great mix. And part of the reason we got along so well is probably because we were all trying to sort of overcome the chili factor. 
in you know of trying to figure out like what is the best way to massage this situation or do a situation or 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 you know can we audible to this play well like will he let him do this or will brad get or, or will uh, bevel get sort of overrun or something like that you know i mean i felt like we weren't where in belichick you know like you're dealing with the smartest guy or one of the smartest guys in the room at all times and yes he's you know brad wasn't mr negative all the time i'll give him that i mean he wasn't a guy who just yelled and screamed at everybody at all i mean he was he was fairly easy from that aspect but you know bill's negativity that's got to wear on you but you know for one season to 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 have where do you believe you've got a better chance at winning the super bowl because your head coach is so good rather than a you know over trying to overcome some of the issues uh I, I think you know being brady's backup would have been really really interesting i only could imagine how many stories brian hoyer uh will have uh, under his belt when he retires but see here is the fascinating part of this all right and if you listen audience if you listen to mackie and jeblerami on mondays it's part of our alternate reality segment that we are doing every week now we if 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 you guys if let's even narrow it down to one play okay if Tahi doesn't run in as the 12th man in the huddle, or if Brett Favre chooses to run for a first down, and Ryan Longwell kicks a field goal to send you guys to the Super Bowl. We if all we agree. Just call a run, if we just call a running play. Or that, right? Any number of those things, right? You guys go on and almost certainly beat the Indianapolis Colts. You guys had a better team. The Saints made pretty easy work of them in the second half of that game. If, 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 if one of those things, if, if just one play goes differently in the Superdome, Brad Childress is regarded as the only coach to take the Vikings and win the Super Bowl. Barry Switzer has a Super Bowl. I'm just saying. Brad Childress would be Barry right Switzer there. What are you saying about Barry Switzer? And, and while when everyone thinks about it, I think Jimmy Johnson's team, All right, Barry Switzer got lucky. And he has he was along for the ride. So Mike Tice's Mike Tice's team, Mike Tice's team that Brad Childress took over. I think he's giving Favre all the credit. <laughs> well, a couple of things. Tice didn't have obviously Favre, who had an unbelievable season. Jared Allen was a trade. I don't know if that was more Rick Spielman or more Brad or however that works. But you know they they you know Brad does. I think he did, did do a very good job of adding pieces to that roster. That wasn't just Mike Tice's team. I mean guys like Hutch and. Uh, you know, Sullivan did a great job as a drafted center the year before I got there, and he was like a sixth rounder or something like that. I mean, they were definitely very good. Chad Greenway, very good. You know, I think Brad's a very good talent evaluator. I'll say that. Um, and, and that is different than coaching. It's very, very different. That's in the scouting, you know, sort of world. And and uh, that was that 2009 team, I'm telling you, maybe one of the most talented teams in the last 20 years in the National Football League. I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Did you watch the, Jared did you watch the Monday night game? I watched that game the other night. Oh, oh. Jaron Allen was a monster. I forgot. I mean, his length and his speed and his tenacity and his uh, all of that. Playing at home was like should have been illegal against Jared Allen. <laughs> uh, you know, AP in his prime. Percy Harvin was a freak athlete. We had so many good players in that front seven on defense. And that team had issues. It, it definitely did. If 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 Jared uh, or or Kevin Williams, we we didn't get good pass rush. Uh, our secondary, you could find completions in it. They played a lot of zone, which means if you can hang on to the football long enough, guys end up just becoming open. So uh, when you're playing man, uh, you know that's a different that's a different story. And so there were holes in that zone. And so when, and you saw that in that game the other night with Rodgers, and when he did have time, he carved up the Vikings secondary. So the team was not perfect, uh, and uh, but there was so much superstar 
talent on that football team. We had different types of tight ends. We had Shanko, who was a athletic pass catcher, and then you had Klein Saucer, who was just like basically a right tackle, uh, and then you had like Dugan, who could do a little bit of both, Dukes, like just sort of get everything, Dugan. you know, just a, just a Swiss Army. Dugan knife. makes a big catch, like a twenty-one yard catch, a huge one in that game when five had like eight seconds. So I mean, that team had so many good things going for it, and I give Brad a lot of credit. Like that team was very, very talented, and he put a really good roster roster together. Uh, but I don't think we, you know, outcoached other football teams in that season in a lot of ways, and then I think that's, that's because of the head coach. Say, do you work with with young quarterbacks, right? I do. Would yes, you do. ever? Would you ever teach a young quarterback to throw the football like Brett Favre? Because watching that game, man, and I saw a lot of Brett Favre. I grew up a Bears fan. Watched him kicking my team's ass twice a year. Then I went and worked in Milwaukee, and I covered him for a while before he came up here. I remember him doing a lot of weird throws off weird platforms off the back foot. Watching that game on Monday night, he almost never set up, stepped into it, and threw the way that a, a quarterback's coach or a, 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 you know, a Pop Warner coach would teach a kid to throw a football. Yeah, you know, trying to teach somebody to wind up and throw the ball as hard as they can and still be, like, crazy accurate is not really reasonable. Like, that's just the way he – oh, he played like a baseball player where you really could just throw the ball as hard as you can. Most guys can't hang on to the football when they wind up in the way he threw it. Uh, But I will say this. You know, I've trained these high school – or these these, these, sometimes high school, some of these college kids, some of these kids coming out for the draft coming up. Uh, you know, as an example, like, you know, Ian Book, uh, he's a Notre Dame quarterback. He came and lived with me for four days right before this whole thing happened. And on maybe the second or third day, we hung out in my backyard, and we played catch in the backyard. And it was – we played catch for probably 15 or 20 minutes, and the whole, the whole sort of teaching moment was just screw around. Screw around and fade this way and throw it sidearm or run this way and, 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 and throw weird balls, throw a no-look ball – but just sort of screw it, just like you do when you're a kid and you're, and you're shooting hoops. You don't shoot sure. every shot with perfect form. You, this way I'm going to do an up and under, and this way I'm going to do a fadeaway this way, and this I'm off balance, and shoot almost you know, bad. You just, it's okay to screw around a little bit. That's, that creativity is important because you do end up throwing a lot of balls that aren't you know in this robotic, mechanical, five-step, one-hitch, throw it to him. It's not a perfect game. It's not seven-on-seven. Seven. So I think it's really important to add to a young quarterback's repertoire, whether you're a Pop Warner, middle school, high school, college, pros, to spend some time every single day making bad throws in the sense of, like, bad technique throws. That's so It's, it's, it's going to happen. You're shot when you're in the pocket and some dude's right in your face and you look to your right and without even moving you just flick the ball uh you know to a running back on some sort of swing right off to the right without your, your feet aren't at him perfectly like this is not in, in baseball this is a, a a crazy sport so i think it's important to spend a lot of time making unusual throws because they inev- inevitably do occur from time to time in a football game you know if you throw 30 balls in a game i gotta say 10 of them if not more are you know with with off balance or you're running out of the pocket or you're stepping up in the pocket and making some sort of unusual throw that's not you know your your typical just drop in the pocket and and do everything perfectly Sage, how hard did that uh, fastball from Brett come because it, it look i mean he plants and literally shoots that ball out but, but from the press box or on TV it's hard to tell how much was that ball smoking upon uh, his release of the pass? 
that thing was coming. I mean, it really was like the, you you felt you felt that it's a heavy ball, and that means like there's just there's just speed uh, behind it, and and you know you play catch with Brett. One, the ball spins really well. He Throw almost always throws. He, he almost always <laughs> threw a spiral. You know, they're, like Peyton Manning was not a sp- great spiral thrower, right? Yeah, Brett talk. was. Aaron Rodgers is. Like Steve, I remember uh, Mark Trestman told me Steve Young, he never saw him not throw a perfect spiral. It oh. was just beautiful all the time. Some guys have that. And when you can throw as hard as him, but also the rotations on the football, mm-hmm. that's really important, too, because that's how you cut through the, the wind and the cold air. Maybe if the ball's got some moisture on it, you can sort of cut through all that with spinning the ball a lot. And he had that, and and uh, and yeah, you know, I, I can say I didn't have that type of obviously velocity, but also that type of that spin. And when you play in the, the terrible weather that he played in for so long, he learned how to probably spin the football a little bit more. But obviously, the you know he was gifted with an extremely strong arm and the ability to throw it as hard as he could, and yet somehow still be accurate. And most guys, as you, the harder you throw it, the the less accurate you become. All right, I got a question for you. You're a, a quarterback connoisseur. You are a, a student of quarterbacking. Who is the one quarterback, dead or alive, that you've never talked to that you would love to sit down with and tap their brain for an hour on quarterbacking? Mm. Man, just throw that out there for me. Um, dead or alive. You know, Dan Marino, when I got to the Dolphins, I remember one day, if it was like off-season or something, I went went in and talked to those same video equipment guys and said you know can you throw me some Dan Marino film and I they they had some video they showed me and it was incredible the throws that he would make it was a different game back then but that guy was such an amazing thrower I would love to ask him like what were you looking at there because as I'm looking at this thing I'm you know who's going to be open and who might be open what the coverage is he would throw balls in the places that had no business being thrown to um and I I think maybe and I believe Favre said this uh, at, when he broke the, you know, it was a touchdown record or whatever, some record when one of his seasons, he said, you know, I, I believe Dan Marino to be the greatest thrower of the football of all time. Uh, you know, Dan would be one of those guys that wouldn't mind picking his brain a little bit. I, obviously, Tom Brady, all the things that he has acquired over the years, and um, you know, I'm sure he sees protections and fronts and things at a whole other level than than I do because he really, you know, him, guys like him and Peyton Manning, they really, really have that deep science figured out to a T. So Mar- Marino, you only missed Marino by like two years in Miami. Was he not really around? Did he not really, did he not hang out at a training camp practice once in a while? No, he, he would come there. I, I played golf with him, I think, twice uh, or three times. You know, he'd always throw a charity golf event or so. He always had like three or four events a year that I would go to. And I, I picked his brain, but not like, you know, not watching film or really getting into football stuff, you know. Uh, it was more of like, you know, you know, making fun of, uh, you know, Dave Wanstead or, you know, <laughs> something like that. There it is, more coach to make fun of. Or, or, just, talking, or just talking quarterbacks, uh, you know, in general. I had a chance to play golf with, with uh, John Elway one time. Um, that was, you know, pretty cool, but not in this, none of those situations where we really like dove into like real picking their brain about football, you know? So I, I think, uh, you know, probably John too. I, I think some of those great ones of all time, um, that, that'd be cool to actually hear them talk about the game and, and maybe as, as they've seen the game change too. I mean, the game just, the game always will change and it, and it, and it has, and it's changed a lot since, uh, you know, back in the eighties and nineties when I grew up watching those guys playing the NFL.
Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. That's our friend Sage Rosenfels. He is the journeyman quarterback correspondent of Score North. Find him on Purple Daily, Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, and here for some Sage football wisdom every Thursday at 4.30. All right, go back to your quarantine life, Sage. Whatever that Appreciate consists you guys. of. I just made a, sh- I made a shelf this morning. Uh, wow. And, Look uh, at you. I'm working on Showing shelf number two. Like, like you took a raw piece of wood and made a shelf out of it, or you put together a shelf from Ikea? What are we talking about here? I took a raw piece of wood, cut it into a triangle, and then it's in the corner of a room underneath a TV that I also put up uh, on the wall. And uh, But then there's obviously the aspects of the brackets and things underneath. Mm. Yeah, Woodworking totally has always it. intrigued me, and I've considered taking it up as a hobby. Would you mentor me, Sage Rosenfels, at some point when I we're all out of quarantine? I you, but, uh, you know... Um, it's going to cost I'll, me? <laughs> Is that what you're getting at? Listen, a circular I'll saw... You, come to my house and, and fix stuff. A circular saw and a drill will will take you a long ways in the All world right. of woodworking. And a tourniquet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying that. My house Athlete needs help, but I'm not trying that. <laughs> All right, Sage, we'll catch up next week on draft day, part of Score North's oh, draft coverage on Thursday. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you guys on that Harrison Smith trade. Please uh, do. For the, for the possible Tua possibility. Lions so want more. It was more. just something I heard. Lions just want something I heard. <laughs> Lions want more, Sage. They want more than Harrison Smith? Oh, yeah. Draft picks, too. Yeah. I hope this yeah, makes well, it on ProFootballTalk.com. I really I hope somebody picks this up. It doesn't know we're joking. No, I don't think so. It is, it, listen, it's, it's, it is, uh, it's smokescreen season. We all yeah. know that. April yes. is... A lot of things, but smokescreen season in the NFL. So basically, Print if you the see shirts, smoke, and I'm inhaling exactly, every bit this of is it. where you, you see the press conference. I walk the other way because there's nothing that of real value a lot of times in those things. So uh, <laughs> I, the, the old Beckham trade never made any sense to me. Yeah. Bye, Sage. We'll yeah. see you next week, right, man. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.